at home We knew we were safe To be young enough to dream Find the faith to believe Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello everyone. Today, my husband is back with me, and we're going to continue our series, Elevating the Home and Family. We have popped in a few other podcasts in between, as I have had guests staying with me. But we're back on this one today, and we're going to talk about elevating the table. The table, I believe, is a very important piece of furniture in our homes and I think it is something we do need to elevate, to lift up to a higher place. We can often just take the table in our kitchen or dining room for granted and uh, we don't see its full purpose and I think that is so important. Well, to begin talking about tables, I think we should first know where they originated. Do you know where they originated? I wonder. Do you think you've got the right answer? Maybe you're saying, well, in the Bible. Well, that's true. Um, We read about tables way back in Exodus In fact, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 23, we read where God said to Moses, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Now that was the table of showbread. And that is the very first time the word table is mentioned in the Bible. Now I'm sure they... Um, had tables before then to eat their meals because they'd been eating for a long time before this scripture came. and uh, But this is the first time we actually read about a table. But this is not where they originated. They originated somewhere far back from even the Bible. So maybe I'll have to tell you. Tables originated in heaven. God thought of tables before we ever thought of them, before we ever had them on earth. They were in God's heavenly kingdom. Now we know this because we can read, I'll just read you one or two scriptures. Um, Go over to the New Testament and in Luke Luke chapter 22, verse 30. And what does it say here? Verse 30. And it came to pass. Wait on. No, that's another scripture I want to tell you later. But let me go to uh, Luke 14, 15. Yes, 14, 15. And when one of them sat at meat, or that means it sat at the table with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread 
in the kingdom of God. We go to Matthew 8, verse 11. And yes, and here, Matthew 8, 11. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. When it says sit down, it means sit at the table. Again, uh, we go over to Luke twenty-two thirty, and we read where Jesus said that he's talking to his disciples. And he said, oh, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Jesus was talking about his kingdom in heaven, his heavenly kingdom. And he said, one day uh, I'm going to have you sitting around the table and we will talk together, not just here on earth, but in my heavenly kingdom. So precious ladies, I want you to get a vision. Tables are heavenly. God has tables in his kingdom. They're part of his kingdom. And so we need to lift up our eyes and see our table um, in a greater way than we do. Not just thinking of it as somewhere we plonk some stuff or just, you know, plonk a bit of food and everybody just <coughs> eats it and runs. No, the table is very, very important. Can I say something yes, on this yes, point? Hi, because darling, yes, you are <laughs> with me. You speak. I do think that it's so easy these days for people to just um, change their ways so much so that the table is hardly even used. Mm. Some, some homes don't even have a table. And people just come in and go to the refrigerator and grab whatever they need and rush off to do whatever they're doing in their bedroom or wherever they might be sitting with their computers and so on. And the art um, and the blessedness of a table, of getting around the table with your family and everything is getting lost. It's, and I, I don't think that's to our good that it's getting lost. I think it's to the detriment of family life and the way God intended it to be for fellowship, it's a, how can you have fellowship if you're not sitting um, around the table in that sense that you can, the richness of being at the table? Oh, yes. And um, <coughs> think, yes, also, another scripture uh, about the heavenly table. We go over to Revelation, of course. And uh, what does it say there? Yes, talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, verse 9. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, you can't have a great feast. This is talking about a great feast. It will be the greatest feast of all feasts that's ever been prepared. There have been, I mean, weddings People love to make a great feast. Some are more lavish than others, but this will be the most lavish uh, feast that has ever been in the history of this world. 
And we won't just sort of hang around. We'll be sitting at tables because we know as we read through the Word of God that God always talks about sitting to eat, to sit down to eat. This is a very important thing to understand. We're not meant to eat on the run or just eat as we're continuing our housework or eat as we're running out the door to get somewhere. No, God intends us to sit down to eat. And science also proves that you get far more from your food if you sit down and take time to eat. Now, that's a hard thing in this rushed world, this busy world, but it's a habit we need to get into. In fact, if you would check out, and you can go to each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and everyone tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And everyone tells this little bit. It says, Jesus commanded his disciples to command the people to sit down. And, and Jesus did not break the bread and thank his father and give them this bread and feed this multitude until everyone was sitting down. Now, there were 5,000 men plus women and children. That was a big company. And I think that would have been quite a task for the disciples. That's why Jesus said, I'm commanding you to do this. And, I, and then he said, and you command the people that they sit down. And it was a command. And we read that in all the Gospels. Can I say something on yes. that point? Because some people have such resistance to that kind of authority. Yes. When leadership, even in a church, says, can we please stand? They don't want to stand. Well, I'll stand if I feel like it. Um, or can we now sit down? Some people say, I, I don't know whether I want to sit down. But God really knows what's good for us. Hmm. And we're more relaxed when we're sitting down. So I, I think that it's, um, it's better for our health, as you were saying. I yes. think it's, it's scientifically oh, it proven that yes. it's much, much better for our health to, to simulate the food and when we're resting and yes, sitting down. and first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. It is the same. We do not really, we might just, you know, eat a bit of food, but we're really not gaining all the nutrients unless we sit. Because food is not just to feed our body. Food is always likened together with fellowship. We're meant to fellowship as we are eating. But it's the same in the spiritual when we read about Mary. Do you remember when the, the Bible says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words? She wasn't just passing by, oh, I wonder what Jesus was saying there, and grabbed a little bit. No, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. She really got something. And that's true even in our own Bible reading where we're feeding for our souls. 
It's the same thing. Sometimes we're so in a hurry, we might, oh, I have to read my Bible, grab a couple of verses. And, and sometimes because of circumstances, that's all we can get. And I know lovely mothers who are listening. Oh, when you've got all your little darlings around you and they're all needing you at once. This is a season where you don't have that same time to just sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his words. I know I, I, that was my own experience before I was married. I, I, was, I had given my life to seek the Lord and, and I used to spend about three hours uh, each day in the morning waiting on the Lord in the word and in prayer before I went out to work. I was teaching at the time. But then I got married and my first baby came along and 17 months later, two babies came along. I had twins unexpectedly and suddenly I had three babies in 17 months. And do you think I had time to get up and spend three hours waiting on the Lord? I did not. And I wondered what had happened to me. Help! I, well, I can't do this like I used to. And, and so I had to put my Bible on the windowsill where I was preparing food or doing the dishes and I could just get a little snippet. I'd put it for, at Proverbs where, you know, you can just get one verse and it can, you can take it to your heart or at the Psalms. And I'd have a Bible in the bathroom or, and, or where I was nursing the babies. But that was a season of just being able to get what I could just in those little moments. And God understands these seasons. But when you do have more time, um, you, it's really to really hear, hear the Lord, you do need to be sitting at his feet. Anyway, so talking about elevating the table, I believe we need to make the table a very, very important place in our homes because it is a heavenly piece of furniture. And then we read, okay, let's read in the Lord's Prayer. And what does it say? Jesus told them how to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We go over to the account in Luke uh, where Jesus was telling them how, to, how they should pray. And um, let's see, I just have to find where it is here. Um, Luke 11 and let's see, yes, verse 2. And here it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. It says it a little more simply there, as in heaven, so in earth. Okay, if God has tables in heaven, well, we also have them in, uh, on earth. But let's see them as a heavenly piece of furniture. And let's elevate them to where God has elevated them. I do believe the value that we set upon the table is how our children will see it. Now, 
if it's time for supper and, um, you know, we've just, we've cooked something and we just put it down on the table, uh, maybe a naked table, I call a table that doesn't have a tablecloth, I call it a naked table. And uh, anyway, people say, oh, goodness me, how do you expect me to put a tablecloth on? Help, I've got enough work to do. Well, you don't even have to put a cloth, tablecloth, on your table when you have little children. You'll be able to do that when they get older. There are seasons in life. But you can put a plastic tablecloth on. That is, today you can buy beautiful plastic tablecloths that look real. They just look like a real tablecloth. And it does something. I mean, during the day, you've maybe got a naked table or it's a table filled with books, with homeschooling. Or in the day, I usually have a runner on my table and a vase of flowers um, or something like that. I love something on the table. But when it comes to summertime, we take that off and we put on a tablecloth because it is now meal time. And I want every meal to be special. Now, if we don't make it special, our children won't find it special. They'll just come, eat and run. But if you make it special, you put a tablecloth on, and I will, in my transcript, I will give you a link where you can buy these lovely checkered tablecloths. And uh, they're just plastic, but they look so real. And all you do is wipe them down. And you've got to wipe down your naked table anyway. So why not make that little extra to make it beautiful? You can put a candle if you want to. You don't have to do that every time, but every now and then. And, of course, as your children are getting a little older, even four- and five-year-olds, they can learn to set a table correctly. You show them how to set the table. They love to do it. And you inspire them how to make it beautiful and special. You can get them to, to go outside and see what they could find. Maybe there's some wild flowers that they have, can find and they can bring in and put in a little vase. I think you say vase, but down under we say vase. And uh, they can do that. Or maybe there's something special. They found a very interesting piece of rock or, or something and they can bring it in and put it on the table um, just in the middle, something to talk about when you're at the table, but to make it special. And then even once a week, do something even more special. Uh, you can even write little place names for your children. I often did this throughout the years and uh, I would have to take time to think about it because I wouldn't only write their name, I would write something to go with it. Okay, so say their name is Barry. So underneath that, I would put bold for God, something starting with the same letter as their name and just inspiring them. Or sometimes I would spend more time and write a little rhyming couplet about them. Sometimes I'd do four lines 
and uh, I put it there on their plate and it would be something special for them, something that they realize they are special. And But you will find when you make your table special, you make it look lovely, um, you will find that the children's behavior changes. They will rise to the value you put on your table. So it takes me back to um, Palmerston North, New Zealand. Yes, we mainly were, where we were raising our children. Yeah, we were raising were our younger. children there. <clears throat> and I was, you know, pastoring a church and we were, I was invited out to go and I think you came with me on this particular day and we went out to visit these people that were fairly new to the church. They'd just come from a historical church and uh, they were university graduates and they were very well, um, you know, they had brilliant minds and everything, but they had a real dedication to God. They were in, had been involved strongly in an in a Anglican, which is Episcopalian church. And so they had, they showed us through their home and it was so interesting to see all, they had 12 children, I think. And they, 12, yes. Yeah, 12 children and ranging from teenagers right down to little babies. And they had, and they took us into the room where they, the living room, where they had the table where they all sat down. And the father had, had taken initiative, I think, to put in the whole room was made to feel like a church they had church windows in um i guess it's because they came from historical backgrounds so they had these kind of church windows but on the table was a big table to sit everybody down they had what we call down under poker work because a poker you put a steel poker into the fire and you heat it up you heat the poker and then you poke the fire with it, of course, a piece of steel, long steel, and then heat it up, and then you could write in the wood. What do you call that here in America? Poker? Mm, good. So writing in the wood, and they wrote all these verses of Scripture, wonderful verses, all over the table. So the children couldn't even sit down at the table without observing Scriptures around where they sat which I thought was very thoughtful of them because they were raising these children for God and, and they were using the table as a way of getting the word of God through to them. So mm -hmm. no wonder this scripture says, you know, you write it on your walls, you write it on your door, above your doorposts and you write it, the scriptures down. Yes, yes, yeah. and actually it was that Table family, is a good place to write it. It was when I met that family, that was when... I started baking our own homemade bread. Yeah. In fact, I think I had done a bit of bread baking before then, but this beautiful mother, she said something to me and uh, I took hold of it. She said, Nancy, I noticed a difference in the health of all my children, not when I started baking bread, but when I started grinding the wheat and baking the bread from the freshly ground wheat. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty good testimony. So I think I'm going to do it. Well, back in those days, you just couldn't go and buy a grinder like you can today, just get on the internet and 
You can get a wonderful grinder, um, a wonder mill you can just have on your counter, which I have now, just sits on my counter every day. I never take it off because I'm always using it. But back then, there were none of those lovely little grinders. And so I had to search and search. And then I found this farmer. He had this great big contraption that was about as high as this roof. And he used it for grinding food for his pigs. I said, hey, can I come out every two weeks and grind my um, grain for my bread and use your grain? He said, yes, you can do that. So I wasn't doing it, you know, every time. But at least every two weeks I went out and ground uh, my grain for my bread. And then you found an old... I found an old coffee grinder. Yes. And and I I used that for a long time, yeah. (laughs) And then eventually we got this wonderful stone ground grinder. That was amazing, wasn't it? And uh, then, of course, we traveled to Australia and then lived there for 10 years and came here. And now, of course, I just use these wonder mills. They're great. Um, But that was where I first started baking my bread, meeting that wonderful family. Yes. So obviously they had seen the importance of being around the table. In fact, back in those days... Everybody sat around the table. There was not a home where there wasn't a kitchen table. And people used to use them. I mean, they did use them for three, at least three times a day. And so I don't know why we have drifted. Well, I think a lot of it happened when TV came in. People began to just sit around the TV and began to forget about the kitchen table or the dining room table. But I think, you know... We have to get a vision to see what it really is. And I see the table as a place where we not only feed our children food, that's how we mostly think, oh, got to feed the family and sit down at the table. No, but the table is not just to feed the food for their body. It is a place to feed the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, lovely ladies, if you can get a hold of that, it will change your whole life. It will change your family life. It will just give you a vision beyond what you have had before because you're not only going to cook a meal. This is the beginning, of course. You are going to feed their bodies. And also, we need to get a vision for that. When you're not going to just feed them any old thing, we, I believe that mothers uh, have a responsibility to research and know what is the best food and the most healthy and wholesome food to feed their families. We have a responsibility. God gave us these children and we can't put down their throats all this junk and chemicals and devitalized food that's around today. I mean, when you go to the supermarket, what aisles do you walk down? I don't even walk down an aisle where they have all those packages. I don't even walk down an aisle where they have all those tins of stuff. No, I go to um, where they have the produce and maybe one or two things and that's it. I mean, I don't live on any devitalized packaged junk. And that's not what we're meant to feed our families. We've got to get back to how God wants to feed our families. And it's pretty hard to change the, once you've fed them the junk, 
<laughs> as you say. Oh, yes, maybe that's true because I took... It's, I ha, Have I really... I don't think I've really managed yet to get your thinking onto my thinking to a food. Uh, well, you have, generally speaking, especially when I'm home. But uh, it's so, you know, but it is hard to get children back. I mean, if they've been used to Chuck E. Cheese and... And, you know, McDonald's and everything. But actually, you didn't get brought up on fast food. But, yeah. you know, back then it was just normal. Everybody baked with white flour and white sugar. And, yeah. and everything was just filled with that. And, and, and brown rice, you know. Well, you I mean, didn't we, have we, were, we were brought up on white rice. That's true. And, but now we discovered the importance of brown rice. And, yeah. and so, but it's hard for people to change but Especially actually, for children. Children will resist like anything if they've been... So we have to be very careful about, right from the beginning, starting yes. them on very yes. healthy food yes. at the table. And I often see mothers giving their children all this junk and all these little packaged junk and these little wee sort of fast foods and these little snack things that they can buy... And, and the children are living on them. And I'll say to the mother, why are you giving them this? Oh, well, that's what they love. But if you had never bought it and you didn't ever have it in your house, they, they wouldn't even know it existed. Yeah. I mean, mothers are responsible. You don't have to buy the junk and your children will eat what's in your house or what mm. you give them. And they develop that. Our desire, their taste buds go to what they've been brought up on. That's so true, yeah. yes, mm. yes. So anyway, you are going to feed them a wholesome meal, and it does take time. Um, you know, I, I find to prepare a meal takes time and thought because I want to prepare a meal that's nutritious and it also looks um, nice and is kind of something you know, that people are going to want to eat and it has wonderful flavours and aromas. That's why I love to cook with lots of spices and we like a lot of, in our home, a lot of hot food, spicy food, um, because we don't like bland food very much. Some people like bland food. Um, but okay, so we're preparing a wholesome food, but that is only the beginning. We also have to feed their souls and we have to uh, just, you know, begin to uh, engage our children in discussion and heart-to-heart uh, -heart fellowship and, and talking with them. You know, if you come to a table, now this is what I have found, ladies. I have found that if I come to the table, I've, you know, been preparing the food and we sit down, if I haven't thought of a question or I haven't thought of a subject to bring to the table that we can discuss, I often find the conversation goes nowhere. Nobody really says anything. Well, it usually goes very negative, actually. Or it can go negative. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Argumentative know, or yes, they, they begin children to fighting squabble and fight. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. A table can be bedlam. Um, and it, it is true also, it, you're training at the table. But there is something wonderful about bringing something to the table to discuss. A question. Like if you have little wee children, you can just ask a question like, now children, what was the 
best thing you did today. And you get each one of your little children to talk about it. And they also want to hear from mummy and daddy. We have to tell them what was the best thing that we did today. Or you could say, what was the funniest thing? You're just getting them to learn how to engage in conversation at the table instead of just going nowhere with it. Or as they get older, you're going to bring a subject to the table to discuss or another question that will really get them thinking. And uh, so I actually do have, I have a list of questions that often when my brain goes blank and I can't think, I will refer to it. And I do have it on my webpage under the family table. You can check it out there. But here's just one or two of some of the questions we would ask our children. This is one, we, we use this question quite often because they loved it. If you were given a million dollars, how would you spend it? Oh, they love to talk about that. And even here's another one. If you had all the money in the world and you could travel to any country you like, which one would you choose and why? Those are just fun discussions. But then you can, you know, ask more uh, sp perhaps political questions. We're a pretty political family. Um, or you can ask uh, Bible questions, um, you know, uh, about a scripture perhaps, like, Children, Romans 3 verse 4 says, Let God be true, but every man a liar. Now what do you think that means? And you will go around each person, making sure each person um, gets to share. And, you know, sometimes at the beginning they may not know what to say, but they are going to learn how to think and how to you know, speak out what they feel and what they understand. And you can do that with any scripture. You can bring it and ask them what they feel it means. Oh, a good one too, especially for homeschoolers is, okay, children, I want each one of you tonight to say, tell us something new you have learned today. Now, that's a good question. Good question also for mum and dad, because we also have to have our say and uh, we also should be learning something new every day. And uh, as they're homeschooling, if they, we come to the table and, okay, what's new? What did you learn that was new today? And nobody has anything to say. Well, what were you doing? You know, sometimes we can spend our days making our children get through all their curriculums and making sure they finish them. At the end of the day, they haven't even learned anything. You know, sometimes it's better to just learn one thing than try and, you know, read a whole lot of stuff you're never going to remember. So that's a good one. That checks out how you're going with your homeschooling. <coughs> Here's and another good question yeah, to ask, I yes. think, and I don't know whether we did, but I was thinking of a family down in Australia that we knew that were very good servants and would go to help people a lot. They would take their children to help there was one older lady there. So anyway, they, th this lady was in great need. She was a really very frail person. They used to help her. But the good question would be is, who did you help today? Yes, that's a good one. 
very yeah. good one. Yeah. Yes. It may have even been their brother or their sister yeah. who needed help. Mm. And sometimes they may not bother with that, but that is important. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be someone outside the home. It can be someone inside the home. Mm. Yes, that's a good question. But you can find many more um, if you go to the website. But we do need to remember that the table is, the table is face to face table fellowship. That's why we sit around a table. Now, many, many families um, are often caught up with sports, and sadly, I think it's a ploy of the enemy that so many sports practices and things like this are often at that time when usually mother should be home preparing the meal. Sadly, they're all out in the car and then hardly there's time to get home and prepare the meal. Okay, just let's grab something on the way home. So children are eating, looking at the, the, the head or the neck of someone in front of them in the car. That is not how we're meant to eat. We are meant to eat facing one another. Face to face table fellowship. Even God loves face-to-face. We were reading this morning in our family devotions and in Exodus 33:11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face-to-face as a man speaketh unto his friend. I think of uh, John, the Apostle John, and how he was thinking of his many of his dear friends dear saints and how he longed to be with them and uh, let's see here over in John let's see second John yes what does it say here oh no some yes verse 12 having many things to write unto you I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. Yes, he was writing there to the elect lady. And then over in Third John, he was writing to the well-beloved Gaius. And he says again here somewhere, yes, verse 14, but I trust I shall shortly see thee and we shall speak face to face. Uh, there is something powerful about face-to-face fellowship. And food and fellowship are twins. They go together. And as we are coming to the end of this session, we'll have to do another session because we haven't even got yet to uh, the whole table because we're going to feed the body, feed the soul, feed the spirit. So next week we will talk about feeding the spirit. But I want to end with this scripture in Psalm 128, verse 3. Psalm 127 and Psalm 128 are family psalms. God gives his picture, his plan for the family. And in verse 3 of Psalm 128, it says, Thy wife is like a fruitful vine within thine home. Some translations say, in the heart of thy home, thy children, like olive plants, all around your table.
Now, isn't it interesting that this is the picture that God paints of a family that's blessed of the Lord. God sees them all around the table together. They're not sitting in front of the TV. They're not, you know, someone's coming to get their meal and then someone comes later and gets theirs, having it at different times. No, they're together. The table is togetherness. It brings the family together. As we were raising our children, I think I would have to say that this was the most powerful time of raising our children, the family meal table. What would you say, darling? Yes, I do think so too. And I was thinking about this, okay. I was thinking about this. It's wonderful for a child to know their place at the table. If they have a place at the table, there's a sense of belonging. I belong to this family. I belong to this table. And we all somehow rather in time graduate to the place that we've been allotted. And when that person's missing, we notice that because you take notice that even King Saul noticed that David was missing at the table. He had been allotted a place at the table and he was missing. And when he was missing, it was noticed. And so people need to have a sense of belonging. I think it's it's sad when people don't feel they belong in the family. And way, one way of making the family have that feeling of belonging is around the table. Oh, yes. Well, time has gone again so quickly. Uh, but we will talk more again about this next podcast. So, darling, would you like to pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of Christianity and how simple it is, really, And yet it is divine, the family meal table. And um, something that we need to become more accustomed to and and not take it for granted and see the value of it and see how it can be used to strengthen the family, just both um, physically and spiritually, probably more important spiritually, but also to strengthen the family's ties, relationships, and so on. So help, Lord, us all to receive this instruction. Let it be a blessing to many families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.